everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Houdat Jedi podcast. And this is day gazillion of not being able to go outside and play, uh, quarantine edition. Um, but as always, joining me from various points in New Orleans, we've got Dave and Fredo, and I'm Aaron. Everybody say hello. 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 And joining us, we have a special guest tonight, and that is Michelle Hunter. And um, Michelle, thank you for joining us tonight. Um, welcome. We're going to get into more of who you are and what you do and your story here in a little bit. Um, so you'll get a more whiz-bang intro. Um, but uh, so just quick, everybody have a good week since the, the last uh, podcast recording. I think I actually talk and see you guys more than I do anybody else, <laughs> except my <laughs> wife, of course. Um, but uh, so, but things going well. What are we? What are we doing to stay have fun and stay sane? I uh, I finished Master and Apprentice, um, which I really liked a lot. Um, I'd mentioned that I liked it on uh, last week's show, and uh, uh, it's it gave me a lot of thoughts about where the saga might go now after episode nine um because there's two uh this was written by claudia gray and um she kind of touches on some things that we brought up in episode one and then kind of just dropped like a lead brick after that um so i would i would say that it's you know it gives you a lot of insight into episode one um and and it's really great for that but it also kind of, for me anyway, paints a, a roadmap of stuff we can still cover in this universe that we really haven't done so far. Well, it seems like all the decisions that Star Wars and Lucasfilm are making as of late is really making everybody feel better about the prequels. Mm. You know? <laughs> or, yeah. I mean, really, it is. I, of course, I've never been... I, I was always okay with the prequels. I've said it a bunch of times. You know, I like episode one better than the other two. Um, but I, they really, they are making things just, you know, ever since they, they came out with the Clone Wars animated series, it's like, you know, everybody felt better about Darth Maul after they brought him back to life and, you know, just about all these characters. So that's that's interesting that you say that about Master and Apprentice. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Any uh, Any big surprising Oak Crud moments in there? Um, I wouldn't say surprising. Uh, I think a lot of it's in line with what you would expect. Um, there's a lot of headbutting between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Yeah. And, and, and some of that goes further than you might expect, maybe. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Fredo, what about you? What are you doing to stay sane? Well, actually, uh, it's interesting that, uh, after the Clone Wars finale, I found myself kind of revisiting moments and scenes from Rebels. So I just said, the heck with it, and I've been, been watching it, watching it again. Uh, so I finished all season one in like a day and a half and going through season two now again. It's interesting now watching that series with the knowledge of where Clone Wars ended. So... Uh, I think I just made it past the point where uh, we get to meet Rex again and you get to meet Rex and Ahsoka. So one thing that surprised me about that series that I'd forgotten about is it's a very, you know, kid-oriented and friendly show 
right up until the time Grand Moff Tarkin shows up. Yeah, that's it, all. Yeah, it gets really bad. dark. <laughs> well, well, it gets darker, way darker than that show had been. You know, as I said, like you get a custom, okay, they're going to have a little fun and they're going to go on a mission and then they, you know, they'll get, uh, they'll succeed or it'll be a trap and they'll escape. Then the like, Inquisitor lops off the heads of the Imperial officers. Yeah. Right. And from that moment on, it's like, okay, we are now in a much darker environment. So, uh, so it's interesting. It's fun watching that again now that we've got the, um, uh, the backstory of where Clone Wars finished. Cool. Yeah, I, I think I may have mentioned it last week. I saw I went back and watched the episode of when Rex and Ahsoka meet up at the are reunited at the end of one of the episodes of Rebels. And that moment is so much more poignant now. It's really, really kind of cool. Um, so Michelle, what are you doing to stay sane during I'm this? It mostly involves a lot of vodka. <laughs> I, as I was telling you guys before, I, I have two little ones, ages three and five, and they're both boys, and it's like they're wound up, ready to go every day, and, and I am still working um, as a newspaper reporter for the Times Speaking New Orleans Advocate, so still working through most of the day. So by the time I get off deadline, it's a cocktail bedtime, and then I just can't wait to go to bed. <laughs> I know it sounds sad, but I, bedtime keeps me rolling. Oh, I'm the same way. It's like I, my my beer supply goes down real quick uh, because it's like I, you know, I grill for dinner, so I have to have a beer while I'm grilling, and then I have <laughs> to have a beer while I'm eating dinner. You know, it's like <laughs> oh my god, it's a good thing I run in the morning. So. Um, so guys, I'm I'm getting caught up on, more on uh, Marvel. I watched Ant Man. Uh, by the way, Michelle, I don't know if you know this. Uh, we kind of have this little bit of a homework project for me because I have only had up until now only seen about two of the Marvel movies. Oh my gosh, um, clutching pearls. So yeah, it's uh it's it's we have a segment of you know crap Aaron should have seen but hasn't. Um, so I've been they've they gave me the list of. Marvel movies that I need to see, and I'm up to Ant-Man. And Ant-Man was kind of a nice respite, Dave, you're right. It was, um, you, you called it a, a palate cleanser. And I mean, the thing is, that it's Paul Rudd, and Paul Rudd is like the same in every movie. I mean, and he's enjoyable, <laughs> you know, it's in a good way. He's just enjoyable. Um, and Michael Douglas was not as big of a he usually is in other <laughs> movies, you know, still kind of, but not as much. Um, but I mean, the, you know, the, it was, it was a good story. It was kind of fun. Um, yeah. So wait, I, so what's I, next on your Marvel list then? Then I have to, we have to watch, uh, we're going to go back into the doldrums and we'll watch civil war, you know, into the seriousness. <laughs> oh, so. Do you like civil serious movie, the serious Marvel stuff or, I mean, I've been I've been enjoying them all. You know, my wife and I have been watching them, and uh, we we've enjoyed them all. It's just I said, uh, it's like uh, when we saw the Avengers for the first time. You know, it was, I I think my comment was everybody's just always ticked, and you don't know why they're ticked. Everybody's just in a bad mood, you know. <laughs> um, so I think that's why Ant Man was just kind of a nice little breath of fresh air because, you know, there was, you know, his. his thieving sidekicks were, were fun. And, you know, everybody was kind of, you know, optimistic, even though they're, you know, it was, it was just, it was just kind of fun. So 
Um, coming I back any... to when you watch uh, when you watch Thor Ragnarok, that one's really fun. Yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to that one. Just the the Taika Waititi, you know, part of it. I hear that it's it's funny and it's uh, um, still action packed and everything. So yeah, I think it'll be fun. No, I've been enjoying it. I don't have anything really, uh, you know, important to say except that uh, I don't know who the DC version of Ant-Man is every other, every other character that I've come across has a DC version. So I understand why people are ticked at each other, but <laughs> is there a DC version of Ant-Man? I don't know. Is there a DC expert on this podcast? I'm trying, I'm trying to think of the top, if that would be the Adam. Yeah, probably the Adam. Yeah. There's, you know, a, there's a scientist, there's a scientist called the Adam that actually shrinks to a molecular level. So I will say that uh, this was uh, this was kind of touch and go for a while because there's nothing that my wife detests more than ants. <laughs> she can deal with a lot of things, but but not ants, and so kind of had to um, figure that one out. So seeing them up close must have been an issue. But and then then you had to give one a name. And, you know, so we started feeling, you know, we, th we felt bad for Antony, you know, boy. Uh, anyway, I won't talk about Antony anymore. How did she do with the giant ant at the end? Oh, God, yeah, we're laughing about it, but yeah. It's... <laughs> did you, what, was it, was it, what was it, was it Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, where they, they made a pet of a big ant and they called it Auntie? Mm -hmm. I, think, I so. think so. Did she, what, your wife, did she didn't like that movie either? Um, I don't know. I'd have to ask her. Yeah. Um, I've never, it just doesn't like ants. You know, most other things we can deal with, but ants just creep her out. So, um, uh, well, hey, let's go on to our um, our weekly fun, and that is trivia, Star Wars trivia specifically. And We're I've, starting with this. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, <laughs> you're, you're wanting that vodka now, aren't you? Um, I have drawn just three random cards. I'll drive four because there's four of us. Um, I don't cheat, by the way, so they can vouch for me. I still get some wrong every now and again. Um, but uh, Dave, we'll start with you this week. And since we were talking about the prequels, um, who warns Queen Amidala, quote, I can only protect you. I cannot fight a war for you. And that would uh, be uh, Qui-Gon Jinn. It is Qui-Gon Jinn. Yes, yes. Um and I said I said it correctly. They had it printed wrong. He's in the quote. It says, "I can't fight a war for you," but I believe he says, "I cannot." So, a little nerdy, pedantic on that. Anyway, if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, somebody can let me know on Twitter, whatever. So, um, all right. Well, let's go to uh, Fredo. Um, oh. What creature's roar does Obi-Wan Kenobi imitate to frighten away a group of Tusken Raiders? Hmm. Okay, that's a, okay, so we reversed from last week when we got I got the very easy one that Dave got the hard one. I think I know this one. I think uh, let me guess. Let me, I'm gonna guess a crate dragon. It is the crate dragon. Yes, yes. yes. Ding 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 ding. You know, <laughs> you've seen the You've seen the robot, the robot chicken uh, Star Wars, and they they have uh, the crate dragons talking. They're in the like water, and 
he wants to go out and see the world and his his other crate dragon saying no don't do it which and mm -hmm. he said oh come on what do you think it can't be an entire planet of just one biome then they show him you know they're, they're the same. <laughs> so yeah anyway all right yes it was the crate dragon all right michelle we're coming to you prepare uh, to bleep dave all right <laughs> well, uh, so who does c3po thank as he immerses himself in an oil bath the maker she doesn't even wait for the audience. Yes, the maker. That is correct. That is correct. And which, yeah. when, when we found out that Darth Vader made C-3PO, that becomes a much weirder thing. So, <laughs> all right. He's so. like a god. Anakin's like a god. <laughs> I'm sure he feels that way. Woo, all right. Hey, I, I feel better. I was like, oh, man, I wanted Alfredo's question. <laughs> Are you are do you do you like uh, the original trilogy or the prequels? Which do you lean to more? Oh, <laughs> I, I, I promise. He's our age, so. Dave, that I wouldn't be mean. I I enjoy the originals. Right on. That's that's cool. I you know I've said I, I was just going to say it's probably like uh, asking which one of your boys you like best. Um, I said Not when people when people <laughs> ask me. When people ask me, uh, you know, what I think about the prequels, I said, you know, or which is my favorite Star Wars movie? I said, you know, they're like my kids. I love them all. I said, but that being said, episode two needs to get a job and episode three needs to go back to school. Um, <laughs> so that's my, my thing. All right. So my question, who hands a container of deadly Kuhans over to a hired assassin? I didn't know that's what they were. I just thought they were like bugs. But that is, and we're going to maybe be talking about him kind of here in a little bit, but that would be Django Fett. So it is Django Fett. I am correct. Ding, ding, ding. Hey, we all got it right this week. So right on. Michelle is good luck to us. I, right. I, would, I would go get myself a celebratory vodka, but that means I have to sneak into the kitchen where my children are. And so I remain dry. <laughs> well, you know, we're going we're gonna to come up to a part here in a little bit. You might be able to sneak away. <laughs> because, uh, but um, let's, uh, we've got some, some news and, and news slash rumors. Uh, Fredo, you want to you take us to page six here? What's, yeah. what's going on in Star Wars land this, uh, this week? Well, the good thing is this week we don't have as many news as we did last week. I guess stuff kind of came, no, came back down to earth. After May the fourth, but uh, the two big news rely around the Mandalorian season two. The first one was that Temora Morrison. Let me say that again. Temora Morrison is scheduled to return to the Hollywood Reporter. Presumes that it's going to be play Boba Fett in the Mandalorian season two. Everybody and their dog thinks it's Boba Fett. And the reason they the reason they give is because. The episode of the Gunslinger, episode five, I want to say, when they're on Tatooine and you hear the spurs uh, dangling as a figure approaches the lifeless body of Fennec Shan, you know, that teaser at the end of that episode. So everybody's putting, hey, Boba Fett wore spurs. It's on Tatooine. I, 
I I'm going to disagree with you. The reason why everybody thinks it's Boba Fett is because they're still mad that this this whole series is not about Boba Fett when they thought it was going to be about Boba Fett, and it ends up being about some other Mandalorian that we don't know. So they're all butthurt because it's not Boba Fett. Now Tamara Morrison is going to be in because they changed his voice, you know, Boba Fett's voice with Tamara Morrison's voice. Now they're just convinced that it is going to be Boba Fett. Yes, well, I'm a little better about this, but... I think and when I when I couple this, sorry, but when I couple this with the rumors of Rosario Dawson, you know, being Ahsoka, and we know that I guess we know that Ahsoka is going to be in the Mandalorian. We don't necessarily know for sure that that's Rosario Dawson. But then you take the you add in um Tamara Morrison. Morrison. Those two elements, it says to me more that this is going to be Captain Rex because that he's still, it's still the clone, you know, Django Fett, Tamara Morrison was, you know, was made all the clones. So it makes more sense that those two are going to be working together. Now, that being said, I think the fact that they have Tamara Morrison, it could be a ton of people because you can slap his face and his voice and change it up just a little bit and be, you know, this long lost clone. It could be Captain Rex. It could be Boba Fett. Sure. But I, you know, I think I'm, I think Boba Fett died in the Sarlacc pit with that. I will shut up and drink my margarita. And let you <laughs> well, before, before we continue, I guess I'll add the other bit of news because it may reinforce your point, Aaron. So the other bit of news that kind of was hinted at or rumored this week was that Katie Sackhoff is going to, be playing the live action version of Bo-Katan in season two of Mandalorian. Now it's not official. Uh, Lucasfilm and uh, Katie's reps both declined to comment. This is a rumor by Slash Film uh, stating that, I mean, she's already voiced Bo-Katan for both Clone Wars and Rebels. She saw the appropriation to play Bo-Katan. We know she's played uh, tough, serious characters in sci-fi before. So the idea of casting her makes too much sense. So if and you the figure, animated character looks almost identical mm -hmm. to her, except for red hair. But uh, right. but if you figure Ahsoka and Bo-Katan, that's that indicates more Rex than say Boba Fett. And I want it to be both. on a podcast. Okay, what what Dave? I said I want it to be both. I want him to come in and let's let's have him play multiple characters. He'll come in, he'll play Rex and Boba Fett. And I want it to be a redirect. So like he'll de debut as one of the characters early on in, in season two. And then by the end of season two, he'll show up as one of the other characters. You know, but then I then I wonder if it's going to end up being like you know a Gilligan's Island episode where you know they have somebody who looks exactly like Gilligan and they just keep the, leaving the room and entering a room at the same time, so they think they're talking to Gilligan, but they're talking to evil Gilligan. I don't know. Well, I, I would think we would see Boba without his helmet. I I mean, I'm just putting that out there. If they bring back Boba Fett, I'm sorry, we got to let Michelle talk here too. If they bring back Boba Fett, that's going to be an episode and a half of explaining a hell of a lot. <laughs> oh, he's just back. They, they don't really have to explain. Oh, it. yeah. He was eaten by a monster, but he's back. It's like Darth Maul again. They took like a whole bunch of seasons of the Clone Wars for people to figure out how Darth Maul came back. But anyway, 
don't know, Michelle, do you think that, uh, have you watched The Mandalorian, first of all? I have been able to watch the first three episodes, but that whole sleep and vodka thing <laughs> has limited my ability. And then I always, I'm always trying to line it up with watching with my husband and then he's asleep. So when the two of us can get on the same page, we're going to watch. But thus far, I love it. Um, I, I've loved the first couple of episodes and, and I'm, you know, I'm listening to you guys, but trying not too hard because I haven't seen all the way through to the end. And I hope nothing you said has spoiled anything. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, a lot of that's just right at this point. It's mostly rumored characters that are going to show up in season two. But none of these people uh, we've seen any indication of other than what Alfredo talked about, where there's there's kind of a, a moment where you hear spurs and kind of a silhouette. You see feet, I think. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. And it's like hinted that this is an, a character of importance and that's it. And they don't show you anything. And so you're just left to kind of figure out who that is. And everybody thinks that it was Boba Fett because of the spurs. And apparently in the empire strikes back when Boba Fett is walking, you hear spurs and I have never heard spurs. I, I went back and I watched it. There's the spurs are there. That's just interesting. That's just you. You're oh, that's like if I said, oh, did you hear that? Well, yeah, I did. I did hear that. It just they put it into your head. So, <laughs> but I, I like the idea that they presented. It could. I mean, it's a perfect way to bring both of them in. I mean, you could have a whole situation where Ahsoka and Rex, you know, bump into the Mandalorian who's on his quest, and then. Because you've seen Rex, you go, okay, that was his role, and thank you so much. And then, boom, cliffhanger. It's the Mandalorian facing off against Boba Fett. Screen to black, see you in the next, in next year. I think, like, again, I, I'm still going to lean towards the keep it simple, stupid. And it's like you've got all the signs are pointing. You've got, you know, you've got the Darksaber. You've got Ahsoka. You've got Bo-Katan. And then Tamura Morrison. It's like... And the answer is Boba Fett. Mm, I don't know. That that's a uh, that's a little that's a little. Uh, that, well, I've been wrong before. I've been wrong many times, but it just and seems. I, to... I'll say this: they've brought Boba Fett back before. They also started this series by saying that it is not about Boba Fett or Jango Fett. So it, it to then all of a sudden, if, if it's like, hey, we've got this awesome Mandalorian, but all of a sudden you got, you know, I'm in the 501st. I know what it's like. I'm in my Stormtrooper armor. And it's like I'm feeling everybody's like, oh, look at the Stormtrooper armor. That's really cool. And then Darth Vader walks in and nobody gives a crud about the Stormtroopers anymore because Darth Vader's armor is much cooler. So you got this Mandalorian that we've now grown to love and baby Yoda. And then in walks Boba Fett. Everybody's going to forget about the other guy. So I, I just think, I don't know. I don't know. Eh, it is. Okay. So I'll, I'll shut up now. Sorry, Fredo. What else you got for news? Uh, so the other bit of news, actually, last bit of news has to do with the Mandalorian, has to do with uh, Disney CEO Bob Chappick had an interview with CNBC uh, regarding the status of parks and you know, uh, productions that Disney has had to either uh, postpone or push back because of the current say, pandemic. Sorry, folks, parks closed. Moose out front should have told you. I wish you no, but he probably should have. No, Mouse out front should have told you. 
Uh, but no, buddy, the one good bit of news that he did say at this time is that uh, filming for The Mandalorian Season 2 wrapped in early March, uh, just before every lockdown started. Uh, so it appears that Mandalorian Season 2 might have snuck in and completed its principal photography just before the blast door shut. So his, his expectation is that uh, even though they're still having to do plenty of post-production, special effects, music, editing, the whole nine. People can do that from home. People can do that remotely. The expectation is season two of Mandalorian will drop on time, as promised, at the end of October. Cool. So you'll at least have one good bit of new media coming out sometime in 2020. Now, there is one other little uh, news bit slash rumor that you didn't mention and we didn't talk about beforehand and that is the rumor that natalie portman has signed on for the obi-wan Kenobi Obi series mm -hmm. so we've got flashback city if if hayden christensen is coming back and natalie, natalie portman. portman this could be this could be interesting I wonder. My question, though, you know, what popped up when I first heard that, and don't correct me if I'm wrong, is would this be a continuation of something we saw in Attack of the Clones, something we see before Revenge of the Sith, or would this be like, okay, we're gonna put a new mission that all three of them were involved in that Obi Wan keeps flashing back to? It could, you know, it could be flashbacks. Could be that's the that is the wrench. We don't. We're always. We're just assuming that this. Well, I guess they did say it was going to take place between episode three and four, didn't they? Or am I making that up? Might be the margarita, but I think they said it was going to be so. Have to be flashbacks. Otherwise, they may have scrapped everything since they got new writers and stuff and said, now nah, let's just do some of these stories from you know episode two, three land that we never got to. No. Yeah, it's it's an interesting dynamic that they're going for. Uh, it'd be good to see. Uh, it'd be interesting to see because uh, much like um, uh, Hayden Christensen, uh, Natalie Portman had also walked away from a lot of genre filmmaking. Sorry, her camera is off, but I can tell that Michelle has the vodka now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, how did you know? <laughs> The vodka is with her now. Yeah, but no, uh, you know, because I mean, Natalie Portman had rather not acrimonious, but uh, had a sad disappointment with Marvel. She split from Marvel after uh, Thor: The Dark World when Patty Jenkins wasn't brought on board for that project. So it's surprising that she's going back to Star Wars at this point in time. But it may Everybody be a position. Paycheck. Everybody needs a paycheck. There's that, but you know that's the thing. It's I don't think she's hurting for paychecks. You know yeah. she's been in enough big productions that she's her residual check is much nice, much nicer than most people's. But I think I wonder if it's just a chance to kind of go back and kind of reassess that role on your terms, so to speak. It's fun because like any of this fits, right? Um, it could be an episode four-ish between three and four with flashbacks and or you know communicating with the dead um and then you you could also it could also be between two and three and when they're at their prime so to speak and they're getting into adventures together and having fun um you can and again go in a you know de-aged uh rosario dawson as ahsoka 
Oh yeah, yeah, you really could. Um, and and so like that's kind of a um, if they are just, it's a good point. Are they are they just scrap heaping the whole thing? Um, because it was they were talking about it as kind of a lone gunman, Wild West, uh, old man Logan kind of a thing, where Obi Wan's just out in the desert, uh, doing his best. Um, and uh, and yet, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like that idea the best, but they they could go the other direction. So let me ask Michelle. What I mean, what do you think? You said you're you're a fan of the 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 original saga. So when when you're presented with the possibility of an Obi Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus, how excited are you? I'm excited. Um, I, it's it's funny. It, we talk about the original. I, I guess I'm more of a fan of Obi Wan from the prequels. I, I like the the younger Obi Wan versus Alec Guinness and the in the original trilogy. So it's exciting to me to see him in in, in that series. I'm not sure when it will ever air at this point in terms of all the uh, COVID delays. But I, I think it would be really fun. Because I liked um, the energy that uh, Ewan brought to that character and the fact that he was so authentic with it. So I'd be really excited to see it. Cool. And then we have a special birthday today. Right. So, uh, so Jim, we can't let today pass without uh, you know, wishing a happy birthday to one George Walton Lucas Jr., who was born this day in 1944 making him a, a surprise 76-year-old man uh, from Modesto, California. Holy cow, he's, he's the same. He's a year younger than my dad. Wow. <laughs> I could be George Lucas's son. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You would have been in all the movies then. There's somebody who doesn't need a paycheck. I'm sure he has. I mean, yeah. Well, remember, when he sold Lucasfilm, he pocketed $4 billion. He turned around and donated that money. So yeah. he doesn't need the, it's okay when you can turn around and donate a fortune, you're good. All right. Well, th thanks for the, the page six uh, update. I don't, it'll be interesting to see what rumors uh, keep on to come next week. It seems like every couple days we get more people joining the Mandalorian. Um, but speaking of the Mandalorian, uh, the second episode of Disney gallery uh, the behind-the-scenes, you know, table talk, whatever they're having on The Mandalorian, um, dropped last Friday. Um, now, Michelle hasn't seen this, uh, but Dave and Fredo and I will just talk real quick um, what we thought about this one. Um, Dave, what were your – did you – Dave, I guess I'm assuming you've yeah. seen this one, right? Yeah, yeah, I'd seen it. Um, what, what were your thoughts of, of this episode? Oh, it was very good. Uh, the first, both episodes were very good. Uh, but th this one, the, the thing that really jumped out was just uh, uh, Filoni's uh, soliloquy at the, at the very end of the episode, um, at essentially defending episode one, uh, talking about how emotional that final duel is. And it, it was always been, it's always been critiqued as very kind of technical. In nature um and it's like oh it's technically the strongest lightsaber duel uh in the you know in any of the movies and yet 
um, it's not that emotional. Um, and so like, this was essentially him just going through and defending that, that, uh, that sequence. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I wouldn't say that he said anything groundbreaking, but the passion uh, that he showed and obviously his knowledge of the material, um, it's very comforting to know that he's at Lucasfilm. Yeah, and I, it, it was my, I, it seemed that last like three minutes was again part of the resume to the world of this is the guy who's going to be running things from some standpoint, whether it's Lucasfilm all the way at the top or just like, you know, creative head, whatever it might be. But um, the, the dude obviously is just, I mean, he's got a doctorate in Star Wars, you know. Um, I, you know, one thing that I thought was really cool, I liked the people they had around the table. A surprise, Kathleen Kennedy didn't get as much airtime as um, she probably should have. Um, but uh, John Knoll being there was really cool. And one of the tidbits that was awesome was that the, the, movie, the, the Star Wars movie, I think, with the least amount of, what they say, the least amount of digital effects was actually... The Phantom Menace, like those were all models. Right. People think that the Phantom Menace is like just—it's all digital. It's all you know. Well, it's that green screen. The fact that they didn't uh, shoot on location. Yeah, that, well, that kind of kills it a little bit. No, I'd agree with you, especially in episode two. I think in episode three, but um, but you know, like the the um, pod racing arena that was all a model with q-tips you know painted for you know to look like people and all the pod racers were practical and, and models and everything but that was just kind of interesting uh fredo what'd you think no it, it was i uh, found it a good continuation of the first episode i was surprised how quick they were to go back to the directors after devoting a whole episode to them i thought they're going to focus more on people like John Knoll and the like. But I, I appreciate it. It's, it's, it's another element because they started talking about how much effort it goes into those special effects and how much effort goes into creating it. And then you tend to realize that, I think who was it, uh, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard said, you know, when it gets to like Jurassic Park and they finally go, oh, we can do all this stuff in a computer. Where it's not just say, uh, the T2 metal man, you know, the T1000 poly alloy figure, but it's actual texture and you know, composition. And it can actually look like something that's living and breathing and sharing the space with the real life actors. I think but, that's the moment when everybody went, okay, we can do this. Well, and you know, and to that point, uh, kind of tangentially, um, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, this kind of loops back to what we're talking about with um, when I said everybody needs a paycheck, you know, with Natalie Portman. You know, Kathleen Kennedy mentioned that George Lucas was, you know, he was watching all these people direct, you know, movies and he had certain things he wanted to do. And then when he saw that, it was like he had the itch to get in and, and do it again. And um, I mean, actors, musicians were all the same way. It's like eventually you want a gig. You know, it's like even, okay, you know, it's like I'm a drummer. It's like, hey, you go, will you play with our country band tomorrow? Yes, I'd love to play in a country band, even though I 
don't want to, but yes, I'd love to because I just want to play, you know? Um, so I could see, I mean, yeah, that, that kicked George Lucas into, all right, now I can create my other movies, you know, but, uh, no, I, I, we haven't talked about baby Yoda yet in either one of these episodes. And I'm really, I'm really sad. <laughs> I think we will at some point. I think we will. I also think it's, it's interesting because, uh, all I keep thinking of what they're discussing, that is, every time that George had been interviewed around the time of episode one's release, he said, I want to do this. I want to make more Star Wars movies, but I need the technology to catch up. And he felt that by 1995, 96, the technology had caught up to what he felt he could do with um, for his movie. So it's interesting that that's the point. And as to the idea of what Dave's, uh, Dave Filoni says, regarding the duel, I never found it to be cold or unemotional. I mean, particularly that moment when Obi-Wan launches himself at, at Darth Maul and they just go at it. You know, that's that's nothing but emotion then. It was one of the more exhilarating moments of that movie. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, one last moment before we move to the, the bulk of this uh, this episode. Um, the The aha moment also was when Kathleen Kennedy said that when she came on board, she found out that Lucasfilm had what was like 129 patents. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's like, holy, holy cow. You know, I mean, you knew some of the things that ILM and Lucasfilm had patented, but 129. Wow. I, and I, that number is a little wrong, but uh, yeah. But it's something we've said in shows past is the idea of, a lot of the stuff that we take for granted now, those guys had to invent, even going back to 1976 for uh, A New Hope. It's, it's stuff they've built upon systems and methods in order to get give George what he wants. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. Well, I can't wait to, what's the, what's the uh, name of the next episode? Do we know? Uh, hold on. I, I may be able to find it. Uh, I think I had it. Uh, uh, you know, and I'll go back to that one thing that you said too, uh, Aaron, while we're waiting. And I like that when George talked about needing the technology to catch up so that he could make episodes one through three, um, he's also talked about that with doing a Star Wars television series, and that was that was the main reason they didn't do a television series. Not that the technology couldn't handle it, but, or, but that it was too expensive. It wasn't cost effective. Yeah. yeah. And so they, fi they finally found a way with the Mandalorian to make, to make it happen. Uh, and so now we're getting this awesome series. So tomorrow's episode is on the cast. How the cast brought the characters to life. So like I would imagine tomorrow we get uh, Pedro Pascal and... Uh, you know, but, and all the other characters. Yeah. And so, yeah, you get everybody around the table. Well, cool. All right. Well, hey, um, we mentioned we have a guest today, Michelle Hunter. Uh, Dave, you want to tell people more about Michelle and and uh, why she's on our podcast today? Well, I can indeed. Um, Michelle, um, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. 
Oh no, I froze. Did I freeze? Hello. Oh, oh Dave froze. So oh. um, I, I, I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and uh, read the introduction. That image of Dave. Oh my God. <laughs> the, the image. The image is awesome. Um, oh, this is this is a uh, uh, quarantine edition for sure. Um, so anyway, uh, Michelle, uh, we got a little bio here. You're a crime reporter in the new in New Orleans for the Times Picayune New Orleans Advocate. Um, you're also a Star Wars super fan with a special affinity for the old EU. Yes. I, I might, I might be picking fights with you later. Uh, her expertise and let's go, is, let's roll. Um, is in the realm of why we're having her in the show, as we'd like to do a little discussion of the EU, um, a topic we haven't uh, covered on the show really up to this date. Um, she's also. Uh, got an extensive knowledge of the insane and dumb criminal element in New Orleans, which there is no shortage of, I'm sure. Um, um, so uh, Dave wrote here, let's not sell short as being its own special cousin of Florida man. So, uh, <laughs> um, so there are Dave's back. I just ran through the intro, Dave. Um, so I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, um, so let's start there with uh, with Nola Man, uh, if you will. Um, do you have any particular stories um, that you'd like to share that stick with you as being particularly amusing or odd? It, yeah, I mean, I've covered crime in I covered crime in Jefferson Parish, which is a, a suburban community just outside of New Orleans. I don't know how far spread the podcast is, but just for people that don't know, just the home outside, of the mob, of, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was the home of the mob for a little while. Um, but you know, Jefferson Parish is not does not have uh, the frequency of violent crime that they have in New Orleans proper, but they have what I like to call really strange crime, and I coined a phrase called the smut beat um, because they tend to have really crazy sexually oriented crimes. And I've covered like the, Steven Seagal when he was down here filming his reality TV show because he worked for a little while as a deputy with the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office. He had a big sex scandal when he was here and he was sued and I covered that. And, you know, I've covered people who have tried to make love to ATMs and picnic tables and, you know, the, the naked and the masturbators and, and whatnot. But one of my favorite stories to tell when people say, well, isn't covering crimes really morbid? I always talk about um, these guys who were arrested uh, during a hurricane. Um, we, you know, around here when hurricanes happen, they usually tell people to get inside and, and there's a moment of lockdown when you're not supposed to be outside of your house. And these fellows were driving around and the police pulled him over in Kenner. And when they rolled down the window, the officer could smell the marijuana and they said, all right, guys, get out the car. And they asked uh, the passenger, look, look, is there any, is there anything in the car? And the guy said, yeah, I've got a bag of marijuana underneath the seat. So the officer goes over and, and he looks and, and there's nothing there. And he tells the guy, well, there's, there's nothing in the car. And he goes, oh, we were at the levee earlier smoking. I think I left it there. Can you go get it for me? So the officer, <laughs> obviously these guys are high as a kite. 
The officer goes to the levee where these guys say they were. Of course, there's a bag of pot right there. He brings it back to my man and, and the guy says, yes, that is my marijuana. Thank you. And these guys were arrested, obviously, with possession of marijuana and then violating the emergency order to stay in your homes. But, you know, I, I always say we, we get the best offbeat crime in Jefferson Parish. So stories like that make it so much easier to, to, to weather all of the really morbid things I end up having to cover. You know, that, that reminds me uh, two two things that reminded me of. One, I have a, a, my best friend since I was in preschool. Um, he was a deputy sheriff. And his, this sounds awful, but his highway fatality stories are some of the funniest stories you will ever hear. <laughs> and I think, and I think it's because that's just the way he had to deal with it. You know, um, when you, when you deal with all this stuff, the other thing I was thinking of is, uh, my former boss, his wife was one of the original YouTube, um, employees. Mm -hmm. and her job was to screen all the videos that were being oh, uploaded to first game. He said the amount of sick porn that she saw, you know, depraved things. It's like, it's, it's amazing. She's not scarred. It, for life. It, it aren't, haven't the Facebook people, some of the employees just filed lawsuits for PTSD because they have to do all this screening of the crazy stuff that gets put up. I swear I saw this story. Like they, they, they've either sued or they're going to receive a settlement from Facebook in the millions because of the PTSD that they have developed just in looking at this stuff yeah. um, before it goes up. I haven't heard that, but I, I can imagine. I can imagine. So yeah, I would totally buy that as well. But I, I asked you this question um, when we were talking about having you on the show, and I asked you if any of the. Um, uh, crimes you've covered had a Star Wars angle to them, and I was um, I was massively entertained by the story that you shared. So I'm going to set that up for you as uh, as far as uh, um, uh, the Star Wars crime criminal activity in <laughs> Jefferson Parish. Let's hear it. Well, there's not as much as you think. I've only covered two stories. But the one that I remembered immediately when Dave asked me the question was back in 2005 when uh, uh, I think it was Revenge of the Sith was coming out um, and Burger King had this uh, this promotion where they had inflatable Darth Vader's on their roof. Does, it, does anybody remember this? In 05, several, several Burger Kings had them. They, they were huge and they kind of leaned over the roof and, they, and the, each Darth Vader had a red lightsaber in its hand and they just sat on top of the roof as part of the promotion in 2005. Well, of course, these things were getting stolen and of course, somebody in Metairie decided that they were going to go and steal the Darth Vader off the roof. They did it, they got caught and one of, my, one of the funnier quotes in the story were this guy's mother, I think they were teenagers and the guy's mom said, what's going on? He said, mom, I'm about to get arrested because I stole Darth Vader from the Burger King. And so it, just, it was a, a hilarious story and I was so happy to be able to write it. Um, and then I told Dave, I had to confirm for the copy desk that Sith should be capitalized. It is spelled correctly. <laughs> And it is Dark Lord of the Sith. I, that's not a misspelling or anything like that. I, I had to actually give them the style for some of these dark, uh, for some of these Star Wars phrases that I used in the story. 
That's just amazing to me. Were you going to say something, Fredo? No, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. Metairie 2005, Star Wars crime. I mean, maybe, I'm trying to think if I know who did this. Uh, it was a guy named Ricky Rip, I think was his name. Okay, no, I don't. I don't. Yeah, these are these are teenagers. I think they were 18, 17, 18, or 19. Okay, no, yeah. They, they, may, they may have known my baby brothers, but not me. Wow. <laughs> they were they, they were definitely teenagers, but I mean these things were huge though, and it was not an mm-hmm. easy feat to get up there and pull. They're nine feet tall, and they were massive, and they just went up at two or three in the morning. It was a Clearview Parkway, Burger King. I know and which one. It was the same vein. You remember around the same time, like earlier in the year, they had those big SpongeBob's. Same mm-hmm. thing, the inflatable SpongeBob's on top of the Burger King. So I, I thought it was funny. I, I wasn't a big Burger King eater, but I definitely went uh, a couple of times that year <laughs> just so that I could get some Star Wars swag. Fredo, do we need to have a lawyer on the show? Oh, no. no, no <laughs> oh, no. no. He was arrested. He was arrested and booked. Ricky, not me. Oh, oh, no. Yeah, no, not Fredo. I'm sorry. No, no, no. 2005 was way past my adolescence and no way was I going to be uh, getting on the roof of a Burger King in Metairie. On Cleveland Park, which I'm certain <laughs> I, I know which one it is, and I'm just thinking, <laughs> you idiots! There's no way you would not have been seen. Anyway. It, it just sounds like alcohol was involved. You know? Oh, no doubt. No I mean, we've doubt. all been there. Um, I don't know if we've all been there to steal giant inflatables, but uh, like the favorite part of the story to me was like they got it into the back of their truck and they drove it to their mom's house. And then they're trying to decide. (laughs) 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 They're sitting here trying to decide what to do with this silly thing, and like, and so a neighbor sees it. They're like, "Well, that's not right." So they call the cops on them, and and that's how they get caught. Which is very mattering. Very, very. (laughs) So one of the things we always ask people when they come on is kind of like, "How did your Star Wars fandom begin?" Oh, so, I, you know, in the, I was born in 77. So by the time, it, like that was the summer the first Star Wars came out. So obviously I wasn't very aware of the first Star Wars. But by the time Return of the Jedi came out, you know, everybody knew what Star Wars was, all, all the little kids. I was smack in the action figure range. And I was six years old, and I can totally remember my grandfather took myself and my twin sister. I have a twin sister named Rochelle. And we went to see Return of the Jedi. And it was the first time I'd seen a Star Wars movie in the theaters, because I wasn't really old enough to go to see Empire. And I sat on my grandfather's lap and, and watched the entire movie and was just enamored. I loved, I loved, loved, loved it and became obsessed with Star Wars. After that movie, I can remember when we were kids, we would play Star Wars. And again, I had a twin sister and and whenever we had friends, like somebody had to be Darth Vader, someone was Luke Skywalker and my sister and I were both, we were both Leia's, there were two Leia's. And so we would play Star Wars and and, and whatnot. I just, I have always been obsessed with the movies. and when they stopped, you know, there were there was droids, the, the cartoon show in the 80s and the Ewok cartoon shows and the Ewok movies. And, and you got kind of that. And then everything sort of fell off until the early 90s when Timothy Zahn wrote Heir to the Empire. Um, and I, you know, I people who were fiending for Star Wars just 
you know, drank it in because he seemed to capture the voices. He seemed to capture the characters. He captured their motivations and, and what life would have been like post um, Return of the Jedi and the defeat of the Emperor. And, and, and I mean, I think I was maybe 12 or 13 and I had come across Dark Force Rising first and this was all before the internet. So I realized there was a book before Dark Force Rising and I made my grandfather drive me to every bookstore in my hometown till we found the first one. This is before, you know, you could get on the internet and order another book. You had to just go find it in a store somewhere. And I have just, you know, been completely obsessed with what they now call the EU or the Star Wars Legends canon ever since. I've just loved, loved, loved it. Like one of the forgotten sections of the fan base are the fans who embrace the EU. Uh, especially folks who embraced it early on. Um, I think you say forgotten. I think actually many would feel cast aside. Right. Um, Don't get me started. <laughs> well, we're going to get you started because this, um, this is kind of an opportunity for us to talk about some of this stuff, which we don't typically talk about. Um, all this material got wiped out after the Disney merger, of course. Um, and there wasn't very, any real thought or apology given um, to the fans who were just expected at that point to just kind of move on, uh, except, oh, well, none of that's really canon anymore. It's just, you know, just this other universe, um, and you can enjoy it if you want to, but it's not real. Um, for anyone who is invested in any of those stories... It's got to be such a weird thing at minimum, and more 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 to the point, it's got to be disappointing. And and for some fans, it's probably even devastating. Um, so I would love to know, like, where do you fall, kind of, on that disappointment scale? And, and the, yeah, and then the devastated category. But finish your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. And by all means, I, I'd, I'd like to hear more about what your feelings are on that decision in particular. I, I'm in the devastated category because, again, having picked it up, you know, when I was 12 years old and I followed everything that they put out religiously since I was 12 and I'm, I'll be 43 in, in August. So every book, most, I didn't play the video games because I just am terrible at video games. So I didn't play Knights of the Old Republic, but I definitely, once there was a Wikipedia and I could read everything that they had on Knights of the Old Republic and how it fit into, you know, what was happening in the current books. I read the comic books. Um, I read, I've, I've read, I can't say I've read every single novel. I've read most of the novels. Um, and things that had happened, you know, things that happened in this new uh, sequel trilogy, like uh, with Han Solo's kid, who is Kylo Ren in the movies. But if you read, if you read the EU, he and Leia had a set of twins, Jason and Jaina. Eventually, one of the twins, Jason, you know, turns to the dark side, becomes, uh, you know, a Sith Lord, you know, Darth Cadus. Uh, you know, Luke Skywalker doesn't abandon the universe. He it, it, it was very heroic in the vein of the original trilogy, um, you know, restarts the Jedi Academy, it does have many, you know, downfalls in terms of what happened, what happens with the Jedi Academy during that period of time. But each time he starts it again, he doesn't just kind of run away and hide. I just, it, it, 
the entire flushing of the EU was just, when we heard it was going to happen in 2012, I just, you know, I, I think I literally had just bought what they, the Star Wars Reader's Companion, which was this huge book that cataloged everything that had ever come out to read in uh, the Star Wars universe. And it was like, basically, oh, you just wasted your money on this because none of this is canon anymore. It was just, it was devastating and, you know, I, <laughs> hurtful. At some point, I, you know, put my big girl panties on and tried to move on with it. But, I, you know, I absolutely loved and grew up with the EU, just like I did with the original trilogy. And to see it, you know, be thrown away was really hard. Um, and I can't say that I'm not bitter about it. <laughs> no, I, I totally understand that. And Dave, you're muted, but I, I totally understand that. Um, you know, it's because you're talking about you're 12 years old, you know, 12 years old is kind of that, that magical number of when things, you know, really latch on to your being. And so, so I, no, I totally dig that. Now, by the way, I was just kind of, you know, making a little smart comment about taking on the EU. You know, I was never into the, the expanded universe, um, you know, I, because it was always awkward for me because the Star Wars I grew up in was between episodes, you know, four and six. And, and so anything outside of that, it kind of felt like fan fiction to me. Not to say that they were bad stories. It just was, I didn't have the interest to to read it. So I, I find this really in interesting, really cool. It just was, you know, for, for I, I get what you're saying with the fan fiction. It just, when I found those first novels, again, with Timothy Zahn, he just hit the, it, 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 they read like a screenplay as if they were a movie in and of themselves. And, and there was never a false note to me, at least with his trilogy, and what a character would say, what their motivation would be, how they would respond to something. You never had to scratch your head and say, mm, I don't know if I could imagine Han Solo saying that. And, and that's what I really enjoyed about it. Now, there have been several novels that read like fan fiction, but those were the jumping off point. And with the ones that were a little crappy, I was willing to say, eh, all right, whatever. And, 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 and I mean, it up. I mean, no disrespect. I'm just saying that was my oh, no, no, thought no. process back then. Um, but let me ask you this. I'm going to deviate from the, the script just a little bit. So how excited were you when they brought Thrawn into Star Wars Rebels? And do you think that they, I don't know, did you watch Star Wars Rebels? But did they, did they I, capture? So, so again, so, so this is where the bitterness comes in. <laughs> Well, I saw I, when I saw that they brought Thrawn into Rebels, it made me want to start watching it. But I, there was a, there came a point after they flushed the EU, and I saw um, I saw The Force Awakens, and I really liked it, um, and I was very excited, and was waiting for them to bring back Luke Skywalker, who was my favorite character. It's very cliched, but he's just my favorite, and I can go into more why why it's such a cliche for me, but why I do it, but. Um, and then the the last Jedi comes and and I've, I I swear I just threw up my hands and just didn't want anything else to do with Star Wars after that 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 movie, but I've become prodigal. I'm I'm coming back. I, I I'm I'm gonna go watch everything now now especially now that it's on Disney Plus and easily accessible. Um, but I did see that Thrawn was there and I was very excited to see him as part of it. But the the bitter my monkey me was just like ah, I'm just not gonna watch it. <laughs> I just can't. I was, I'm giving them I was wondering if 
was wondering if you felt if they captured that character. So I guess we'll have to have you on after you've watched Rebels. So yeah, I mean he's a fan, he's a fantastically fascinating character, and and if there was somebody that you were going to bring into the EU. It should be Thrawn. It should be Mara Jade. You know, those were really great characters that I, I that and I'm, I hope that they bring her in as well. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's uh, Michelle saying it's reminding me back in that summer when Heir to the Empire came out, and it was kind of like like you know like an atom bomb going off because I remember seeing it in my public library and just borrowing it, and I just read right through it in like two three days. It was right. just like. I mean, it wasn't a small book, but I bombed right through that sucker. And so, and uh, to answer your question, though, Aaron, I feel like they did capture Thrawn's essence in Rebels rather well from the character that Timothy Son created. Just how very cold, calculating, how you know, methodical he is. Uh, but it was interesting just because I think I found it to the Empire right around the time that Dark Horse Comics was put in there. Dark Empire series, and it's just surprising to see how many elements uh, the current Star Wars continuity has ported over right? from. So, like, the idea of Palpatine clones comes out of those comic books. The idea of so much of the stuff that's in the Throne books gets, you know, like Throne, you know, the like, uh, Timothy Sound books, like Throne gets, you know, high lifted and put into the canon. And I'm like, well, if you're going to do that, why don't you just keep it? I guess they wanted to just I, I get it. They don't want to be handcuffed by it, which is, at the end of the day is a good decision. And you, then you can cherry pick it. But it just, it was like a stab to the heart when they did it. I yeah. think, like, if if they had gone, like, a little bit closer, like, again, like, I think a lot of EU fans understood the decision to kind of rewrite things because then, like you said, they're not handcuffed. They can go in different directions. They can do what they want to do. Um, but if they had maybe brought in more of some of the characters that people had fallen in love with, it might have been received a little bit better. But here's the, here it goes into what we've talked about before on this show. Here's the problem, is that when the EU was, when, when these books were being written, Lucasfilm was just like, you know, all right, you want to write a Star Wars book? Okay, go ahead. Give us, just make sure we get a cut of it. They didn't have, it's kind of like the story group and Fredo's giving me a weird look. I mean. No, they did you know, have, they did have a guy. They had a guy because when they killed off Chewbacca, they had to have a big conversation about it. They used to, they had a guy, I forget what his name is. Oh, God. I guess, I guess my point, it doesn't seem like they were really minding the store all that much and making sure that, you know, this is what. Star Wars. I don't know. Maybe You're I gonna make me. I have. I have. I have the guy. What his name is? He's he he put together the readers' compendium, but he was like the holder of the Star Wars uh, Bible, and right, would make cool. sure that you didn't use um, you know names that had already been used. And here's how you have to fall into the king. Uh, uh, the name is Leland Chi. Yes. Continuity database administrator. Yes. yes. Licensing. He developed a database of franchise continuity from 1988 all the they, way together. They had that the entire time. I'm right, so corrected, but who did he tick off then? No, but the thing is, <laughs> the, thing is the database was called the Holocron. So that's why I'm giving you the dirty look. It's not the dirty look, but the weird look. It's the idea of they always had, whenever they were lining up, a new project, whether it was Shadows of the Empire or the whole New, New Jedi Order 
book series, which uh, Project Luminous is now aping. You know, when they decided the whole idea of killing Chewbacca in Vector Prime, they had to sit down and map that sucker out and get the blessing from Lucasfilm. This was never a Del Rey book is doing their own thing and uh, Dark Horse Comics is doing their own thing and Roar is making whatever, video games doing their own thing. L Lucasfilm was always centrally positioned to decide, decide, yes, we're letting you do that. Now we're not letting you do that. Well, sometimes they, they let bad stuff go through because, you know, it's Lucasfilm. Sometimes stuff bad stuff will get through. But up at the, the whole race, they always had, and they actually devised a whole uh, uh, ranking system of canon. So like the top level was George Lucas canon, which was the movies. And they said, nothing goes above this. Whatever George Lucas put down, that's it. Even if he'd be referenced in other media. And then you go like TV canon, uh, expanded universe canon, secondary stuff. So you know, they had a whole system and, and, and yeah, and that and that in itself shows why it was probably a good idea to not have to deal with all of that, all of that canon. I I get it. I just it, they they did that, and 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 then the Last Jedi happened. Well, it wasn't just the Last Jedi. <laughs> I think the difficulty is uh, when Disney buys uh, Lucasfilms, they jettison the expanded universe and they create the Lucasfilm Story Group. So all of our current flaws and issues stem from the story group not doing as much as the one guy who was doing all this before. Right. We're sending all our letters to you, story group. That's right. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's funny. It is really an interesting thing because, like, my experience during that time was very similar to Aaron's where, like, I felt, well, this is just something different. Um, and you know, you catch wind of certain things. Wait, they're, they're cloning Palpatine? That's ridiculous. They dropped that in, in from 1992-93, the very first series issue of Dark Empire, which the whole idea is uh, a Palpatine clone comes back and turns Luke to the dark side to become the new emperor. So you're well, like... You know, even back then, they're, you know, they're, they're putting all this stuff, and everybody was like, oh, we never do that. I wasn't even, I mean, I made the comment about fan fiction, but I wasn't, I mean, to me, ultimately, it was the Star Wars story had a bow wrapped on it, and it was, it was done, you know? And I, yeah, but you wanted to know what else was going to happen. Wait, Fredo, so wait, Fredo, you, you read all of the, the books and stuff? Mm-hmm, mm -hmm, So, like... I, I remember when I was reading, I, it, look, I, I, I should know this. I can't remember which book it was, but when, when I remember figuring out when they did the stories about the Maul Cluster where they put together all of the Empire's big bad weapons and the Sun Crusher was created there. I'm sorry, we're EU geeking out right now. And I can remember turning to my sister who, who loves Star Wars but just was never like I was with it. And I was like, oh my God, Rochelle, you cannot. There is a weapons depot and it's in the middle of all these black holes to get there and they are making dark side weapons in there. It is crazy. And I can just remember my little sister, my sister looking at me like, you're, you're out of your mind. But I was so excited. And it just, all of the, like some of the storytelling was just so fantastic. And again, you know, when you're just Star Wars starved and if someone does it well, it was, it was great. It was great. I think that was one of the things that they did so well is they find a way, because I mean, 
and you can see it like with some of the flaws and some of the issues we've seen now is that it's very easy to go from you know homage to derivative mm-hmm. yeah it's like a fine line where okay you're doing your own thing but it still has that spirit that ethos of star wars something like the mandalorian which is following the same footsteps of even though it's selling its own little story in the same universe but it's yeah no i remember uh, sun crush and then uh, all those um it was just it was when you got because one of the advantages that Lucasfilm has, they could hire out guys like Timothy Zahn and just say, go nuts. Just, <laughs> you know, you know, devise something new and interesting and they, they could take the characters in new directions. So wait, again, I'm sorry. I hate to feel like I'm taking over the podcast. Fredo, what did you think of the Yuzan Vong War? Like there was, I felt like there was so much back and forth about whether that was awesome or not awesome. I liked it. Okay, so here's the thing. I liked it at the start. And I still remember CNN telling us that Chewbacca died in that book and people getting mad about that. So, so I'm like, I always remember the two stories in like the 90s where when CNN reported, hey, Superman's getting killed in Superman 75 and <laughs> Chewbacca's getting killed in this episode. And I'm like, oh, this makes national news. But uh, I didn't mind it. I like the idea of the use of Bong as a threat. I like the idea of, you know, something new and different, challenging the Jedi and the characters we like. Some of the execution, particularly in the ancillary books, because the whole idea was that it was five big hardcover books that were going to tell the main story. But then you had a whole elements of it breaking off into paperback. So one would follow Rogue Squadron, one would follow the smugglers, mm-hmm. one would follow the Jedi, you know. So the idea is, you know, you had all this branching narrative. It was going to end up being something like 25 books in total that you'd have to read. Uh, but if you only wanted the main storyline, you read the five hardcovers, and that was it. You're done. Uh, I did, I'm not necessarily sure if I liked the way they finished it, but you know what? By that point, it was clear that there was something else afoot, and uh, but I enjoyed it. Okay. I, 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 found, I found it, you know, you know, for what it was, I found that I found myself liking it a great deal. Yeah, I cried real tears when Anakin Solo died. Real. Yeah. Real tears. Anakin Solo for, again, the EU uninitiated. Han Han and Leia had three kids, Jason Mm -hmm. and Jaina, who were twins. They were first. And Anakin was the younger one. He was kind of more of a prodigy. He was the one that you thought was going to be sort of the next Luke Skywalker, the next big, you know, superhero of the Jedi, the next big leader. And then he died in the middle of this use on the Bong War. You know, he died heroically, but... He still died, and it was just. Whoa. I mean, but, I, but I like, and I love the idea that that influenced Jason's fall. Yeah, so there's always that account, that element. Even even in the expanded universe, there's always the element of this came before this, and this influences what happens next. So when a character has a fall to the dark side, it's not just because somebody's whispering in their ears, because they're experiencing real pain, real tragedy, and they're trying to control something that they just can't. Right. We should let well, them talk. I, <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm fascinated by this. This is good. No, I, I honestly, I, my next question is to, to, to basically ask you more. Um, like, what would, if somebody is listening to this and they don't, they're not familiar with any of it, and they're like, well, I'm intrigued. I really want to go back and check out some of this stuff. Where should they start? Like obviously where- the Tron- the Thrawn trilogy, Heir to the Empire, w- w- with Timothy Zahn, his trilogy is a, is is really the beginning. Although there were novels before that, I think Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which is really awful, but still early. <laughs> 
Star Wars novel. And again, if you you just you needed Star Wars in your life back in the 80s and late 70s, that was the book you had to read. And and it's you know, there were things in that book that didn't end up following canon, but still. Um, but I would start with the Timothy Zahn, um, the Timothy Zahn novels. And I also really enjoyed after the prequels came out, um, I think Dark Horse had the Republic comic book series and I collected a lot of the comics. I had some of the early ones from the eighties. I had to go back and, and buy them, but um, the, uh, the, the series that came out um, during the two thousands uh, Republic, which followed, you know, Mace Windu and all of the Jedi of the, of the council and, and whatnot and what was going on between um, Phantom Menace and, and the, and the end of the first uh, trilogy I really enjoyed those comic books. And one of my favorite characters came out of that uh, series, Quinlan, Quinlan Vos, uh, oh, yeah. who is my favorite Jedi. Yeah, it's, uh, go ahead. I was gonna say, Fredo, did you have any thoughts? No, I would agree absolutely with Michelle. Heir to the, the, the Timothy Sun trilogies, Heir to the Empire. Uh, hold on, I have the titles right here. I want to look at the about last this. command uh, and force uh, rising. Right, thing, right. Those would be a good starting point because number one, it'll tell you if you have an appetite for it or if you don't. Uh, but they're easily available now. I mean, we're talking books that are 20 years old. Uh, it's interesting, particularly once you know where the the sequel trilogy took us to see a different dynamic where you know Luke ends up married, you know. You know, I was I always got the image in my mind at the end of that book of wait, look into the Perry with a wife and everything. And it had a kid. And had a kid and no that that scene from them at the end, it's actually kind of sweet and kind of sad at the same end because you know it doesn't last. Uh so yeah, definitely those novels. Uh you may want to try to go back and you know, try to catch some of the uh Dark Force um comic books, particularly the Tales of the Jedi series. The stuff that was mm -hmm. set at the start of the Republic when you run into uh, some of the old Sith Lords and whatnot. That was really good stuff. And then uh, from then on, I mean, it's kind of easy to start kind of, I mean, look, Lucasfilm and Lucasfilm Disney will still sell you any of that stuff under the Legends imprint, so you can go back and, and really catch up on it. But those kind of be the starting points, I would say. And then something like Shadows of the Empire, which is... Oh, yeah. It's an interesting dynamic because that's... I yeah. Were they going to try to make a movie out of that? I swear, I remember that there was talk. I know there was the video game. There, they did. They the had a novelization, uh -huh. and there was a comic book. Um, and I swear that they were talking about a movie. I think at one point they might have been, or or maybe they may have thought of it as just a jumping off point for, um, for a new series. I mean, the TV series that they were talking about. But that's just it. A lot of this stuff was coming around in the mid-90s, when all those points that were discussed earlier about, oh, new movies and new TV shows and new stuff was kind of bubbling up to the surface. So you never could quite be sure as to which one, what it meant. You know, is this the TV show or is this the next movie or whatever? So going back to the present, um, I, I have to ask you, like, is any of the newer stuff worth... Wait, I lost, we lost Dave. I'll take another screenshot, Fredo. I think I know where he's going with it. Um, any of the any of the new stuff, you know, sequel trilogy stuff, the um, yeah, anything is any of that working for you? Is anything speaking to you? you? Said obviously you had 
a visceral reaction to the last Jedi. I, uh, I, yeah, I, so I, I really enjoyed the force Awakens again, because it made me feel like I felt when I was six years old, sitting on my grandfather's lap and watching all of the fun and, and adventure and, and the storytelling. And I really enjoyed seeing these new characters. There was a part of me that yearned to be comforted by the characters that I knew and you got some of them and then they killed one of them, uh, which was not unexpected. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the Force Awakens, I was floored by what they did in The Last Jedi. It, and it specifically had to do with Luke Skywalker and just sort of, to me, treating his character in a way that I just can't imagine he would behave. And and so I, and then they killed him. Uh, and so I was very upset. And, and I was, I told Dave, I was so upset that I didn't go see The Rise of Skywalker in the theater. And that's saying a lot for me. I just was so upset with what had happened in that movie and how I felt like they had sort of betrayed the characterization that I knew of what is one of my favorite Star Wars characters. I didn't go see it. And I finally did see it a couple of weeks ago <laughs> once it was released on, on Disney Plus. And I'll say that I liked it a lot better than I thought. And I, I know that it has a lot to do with the fan pandering that, it, you know, everybody is talking about. But I enjoyed it. I, I liked it a lot better than the second one. It made me feel a little bit better about everything that's happened. I want to I I pause real quick. Sure. Because, because what you just said, the fan pandering, and because we've talked about this before, um, but Brittany and I, my wife and I have talked about, it's very interesting that Star Wars fans are all pee in their pants over fan service and all this stuff. And why did they have to put, you know, the Jedi training remote on the Millennium Falcon and Force Awakens? But you watch any of these Marvel movies that I'm watching and there's fan service all over. It's, it's oh, yeah. great in fan service. Oh, yeah. And it, it, and it makes you smile. It makes you feel in the know when you see it. It, it should make you feel good. If it doesn't make you feel good, you're just kind of being a hottie. Okay. About it. I but agree with that's you. So here, comes, so here comes my question. It goes back to what you're you know, talking about the EU and stuff. You, we've mentioned canon a couple of times. Why, why are Star Wars fans so different that we are so... It seems like we're the only ones who fight over what's canon. And again, then we have the other side of it where, you know, the other thing that I was just talking about where we get upset over fan service, but the Marvel people, it's like they have multiple universes, they have multiple... I feel like you can't compare the Star Wars fans to the Marvel fans. I just feel like they're two different universes. I feel like you have to compare us to the Star Trek fans, who I think are just as... Have you (laughs) ever had a conversation with a Star Trek fan? They are are absolutely insane about what J.J. Abrams has done, you know, had changed how the universe works, what the Federation is about, how they move out and explore new territory, whatever. I was not a Star Trek fan. I thought what J.J. Abrams did was great. But if any conversation I've had with someone who's a long-term Star Trek fan, absolutely hated those movies. So I feel like you can't really compare those two franchises. I feel like you have to go Star Trek. And if you go Star Trek, it's just as heated. So I just, I feel like people grew up with them. People were comforted by that. People go to the movies, people read novels, people read comic books because they want to escape whatever 
you're gonna have to bleep Dave. My monkey. It goes on in their lives, yeah, in the, I, you I, know, I, in the day to day, and you want to be able to escape and enjoy it. I guess, I guess, to my uh, getting back to to my point though, is that I think you, not to just compare the the two franchises, but just fandom in general. It's it's almost that you know. Um, you know, boy, this is going to maybe it's the margaritas talking, but I'm yeah. going to venture out here a little bit here, guys. You know, I, I am a transplant. I love New Orleans, but there is people have very different opinions. People who have grown up in New Orleans they have very different opinions about who is a true New Orleanian and who is not. You know, I think there's there's a little bit of that. It's like what you know, that that nolier than thou type of you know thing. Right. Um, so and that's. And I think that's one of the things that makes the city awesome is just how much people, you know, how much it means to them. But it seems to me, getting back to Star Wars, we fight over what is canon. And we get mad if something is becomes canon or is not canon. It's like me earlier when I said, you bring back Boba Fett, you're going to have to explain a lot of crap. You know, so why do we do that? And other fandoms, it's like, eh. Whatever. Because I again, because I think that there's a different level of comfort and love that people get from Star Wars versus the Marvel Universe. The Marvel Universe, even if you read, because I collected the comics too. Like I collected, I have a ton of Marvel comics, and I really enjoy them. But I don't feel the same way about Marvel comics that I feel about Star Wars because it's just a different feeling when you first. I, I don't know how I, you know, how you felt the first time you read an X Men comic or the first time you read an Iron Man comic or the whatever, like how special it was to you, but it was a, a completely different feeling when you sat in the theater or you watched Star Wars and, and you were transported to this different place. And there's a different, to me, there's just a different level of love that people have for it. And when you love something, you're getting ready to punch somebody in the mouth over it versus the way, when you just like it. By the way, Michelle, I didn't, you didn't, you don't know me. And so a lot of times I ask questions because I was a teacher for 19 years. I ask questions to get people fired up. And so, um, oh, but I, see, but just know that I've had more than half a cup of vodka. So if I sound fiery, <laughs> it no, literally is because I've been drinking now. This is awesome vodka and margarita, I, vodka and margarita. <laughs> I, I, I totally, I totally agree with you because it's, you know, it is, um, Again, Star Wars does it, it hits me more than than most things. It so. does something different to you than Marvel comics, and I'm sorry, I love Marvel comics. You can, I'm at at Michelle Hunter on Twitter. You can come at me if you want to, <laughs> but I still I love Marvel comics. I have a ton of them hidden away in my closet right now. But there's a different feeling when you're reading, watching, interacting with Star Wars versus when you do it with Marvel. I'm just but here's I'm just but here's that. the other here's the other thing is that you probably didn't read your first Marvel comic sitting on the lap of your grandfather. You know, Star no. Wars is a very, a very familial thing. It's a communal thing. It's like my, I, my brother and I have a special relationship because of our Star Wars link. You know, um, I remember we took my nephew, his, you know, his firstborn son, um, we took first movie we took him to was Phantom Menace when he was, you know, not even, eight months old, he sat on my lap watching the Phantom Menace. So there's, I agree with you that there's, there's, I don't know, I think that, but there's more to what makes it special. Um, yeah. I, and, and it just, and, and then if it's special to you, you're going to fight about it. You're going to, you're going to be mad about it. You're going to have tears when someone, you know, that you connected with in turn on a, on a character level dies. And when they 
change it, rip it away, you're going to be mad about that too. Now, look, I'm not threatening anybody over this stuff, but I was mad. Now, can I just throw in, uh, and I think it goes to a point that's different between the mediums. Marvel, the movies, uh, Marvel uh, fans are accustomed to comic books switching things up all the time. Somebody dies. No, everybody jokes death is not permanent in comic or in the comic book world because if a villain gets defeated and blown away, just wait a couple of years, they'll find a way to bring him back. If some love interest dies, you know, disappears, fears years, he'll come back as the as an antagonist. So there's a understanding of that medium when it got transposed to uh, the movie world, where yeah, it's kind of flexible. It adapts. Right. So you could have a movie like Winter Soldier, where the main antagonist and then lead, you know, title character is a character we saw fall to their death at the end of World War II. And all of a sudden, hey, he's resurrected. Whereas with Star Wars, we're accustomed to one storyline, the movies. And I think that's one of the interesting things that the Expanded Universe did is it allowed for that storyline to continue. It allowed for that story, for those characters to have a life beyond the six or at the time was the three movies that we knew. So you yes. could follow Lando and Han and Luke. And if you wanted to see film. more and you wanted to see what they were doing and, and how they've been and, and, and whatnot. So, I, when, I, I so, when, so when the expanded universe got done away with, that's why you got such a strong reaction because all of a sudden you got told, oh no, we're treating this thing that you thought of as one story kind of sort of like comic books where, where we're disposing what we don't we don't want but we're still going to pick and cherry pick and choose some elements from it to bring into the stuff we're going to make now officially the continuation of the story. Which I would have had no problem with if you had a kick story afterwards. And and they did with The Force Awakens. I think, like, too, one of the, one of the points I'll make um, about this particular topic is that I, I think that the passion and the debates are great, and I love them. I think it's when you get into things like gatekeeping, that's when it becomes a problem. And it's like, okay, we're going to have words now. And I, and I have no tolerance for it because it's like, oh, you're, you're not a real fan unless you do this, you do X, Y, or Z, or have you been around long enough? You know, well, I was watching this stuff back in 1979, you know, um, those kinds of conversations are just not helpful and drive me insane. So um, I, I think it's fun though, to just have a conversation like this. What's, what's the merit of the old EU versus the new EU versus this, that, or the other. And by the way, you know, it's because I, and that was the thing is that I had a lot of friends who were engulfing the you know just devouring the the zon trilogy when it came out just like you fredo and i never faulted him for it I was like all right you know it's just like great you like oysters i'm not you know really wanting any oysters right now so you know it's, i'm good you know um and I, but i'm with you i'm with you dave that and it's you know we're we're seeing that right now with the you know it, it's like you got three camps it's like you got the old people who like the original saga you got the uh you know kind of the younger kids who are more into the prequel trilogy and then and clone wars and then you got you know let's fast forward you know five years from now and it's going to be those 12 year olds that really dug you know the uh the sequel trilogy that ray and poe and finn are their people 
you know, um, but it is, yeah, I, I, I think it is important that it's just like, hey, you know, just because I didn't read, you know, the Thrawn trilogy or, the, you know, the, the Zahn trilogy, you know, doesn't mean I didn't, I don't think it, it has any merit. And I think that's always the, the salient point to make. I mean, because look, there's been points in everybody's life where you kind of jump off the train and then jump back on. It's natural. A lot of us said, okay, 2005, Revenge of the Sith. Thank you so much, George Lucas. Thank you so much, Star Wars. We're closing that book. We're putting it on the shelf. And uh, we're not interested in, what, Clone Wars? We're not interested in that. We're not interested in stuff. And then, but slowly it finds its way back to you, and you kind of go back and reassess and open yourself up to that experience again. So I think there's always that opportunity to go, okay, you're going to have times where you can kind of, you know, embrace it as much as you want, step back so here, as much as you want. So to, to Dave's, you know, point, you know, earlier, um, or, or to the question earlier, of you know, like, how would you get people, you know, who haven't done much with the EU, what would you recommend to them? You know, I, I remember the, the first time that I had raw oysters. I never, it, I, I remember we're standing there and meeting, meeting a friend. I've, I've never been much into um, seafood. I think it's being raised Catholic when you had to eat seafood all the time. And that, then when I stopped being Catholic, I just kind of rebelled against seafood. I don't know. But anyway, I remember seeing my wife loves raw oysters and she's downing oysters. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, I said, you know, it's just a fear. Nobody, nobody dies from eating a raw oyster. At least that's what it was in my brain. I mean, somebody probably has. But anyway, uh, so I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna try an oyster. You know, what? I'm sorry. I've probably covered a story of somebody dying from raw oysters. Sure, yeah. But keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. But my point is, is that you know, to to Fredo's point and Dave's question, it's like just because you know, it's like you may be my age at 47, and it's like I didn't read the the Zahn trilogy, you know. Maybe there's something I'm missing here, and go go and and read the first book and and just see what it's about. Or you know, I never. It was kind of the way I got into the Clone Wars. To your point, Fredo, it's like, you know, I'd never watch. I didn't want to watch this Star Wars cartoon that everybody was talking about. I was just like, I had no interest in it. But then it was like one summer, I was like, you know what, I should see what this is about, and I I watched it on Netflix, and I ended up really liking it. So you know, our tastes change. And that gets into, you know, the, the oyster thing again, you know, your, your taste changed. What you didn't like when you were 18, you might like when you're 47. So, well, to that point, <laughs> I've been reading books from the EU, the modern EU, um, during quarantine. Um, it's just been something that I've gotten into. Um, and so I'm now, putting myself in a position where if they ever dump this version of the EU in the future to create a new, new EU, I'm going to be in Michelle's shoes. I've tried to, to, cause I have a couple of the ones from uh, the new, you, is it really the extended universe? What do they call this new I guess the canon from the new canon, and I still have a trouble getting into it. Like uh, I, there was a novel with Quinlan Vos that they rewrote, and they changed his character completely in his background, and it was just hard for me to get into it. 
I, and and I'll tell you, you 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 dig deep into it, and it and it probably will change. And it's it's really funny. Alfredo makes a really great point about comics, where you just kind of get used to knowing that they're they could just shovel everything out the door, and you know it'll come back later. And you're you're just you just get okay with it. Um, I've not read a bunch of the the new novels yet, and I I can't say that I will. I <laughs> I, I still what I end up doing is rereading the old ones. Um, because I, those, the old characters are still my favorite. I still, you know, my favorite character is still Luke Skywalker because, again, it was the first time I had really encountered that classic Joseph Campbell hero's quest, you know, where someone, you know, takes off into the world to try to discover themselves and, and, and save the world. And, and, and it was exhilarating for me. And it was the very first time. And he'll always be my favorite character in that sense. Um, and, and so anytime I come across Star Wars, I was always wanting to see where are those original three, where, where's Luke, where's Leia, uh, where's Han, what are they doing? And, and I'll always be looking, I, there, there won't be anything more from them unless, and I, I, this is what I pray happens, at some point they recast them and say, hey, let's go back and see what they may have been doing after Return of the Jedi, what goes on between where we, when we come into this sequel trilogy, like what, what went on with them, you know, besides what we know what happened when you get old Luke and he tries to kill Kylo Ren, what were the adventures that occurred right after, what are the new adventures that occurred right after Return of the Jedi? I would love to see that. I would love to see them recast those roles and, and go into those stories. I don't know if anybody's interested in seeing them. I would be, but. I still can't believe that we have one of the, one of the big Star Wars writers living in our neighborhood. Who? Daniel Jose Older lives in Slidell. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. So Dan, if you're listening, you can be on the podcast too, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I was going to say that's why I'm looking so, I'm so looking forward to the High Republic series coming out at the end of August because it's a whole new time period, whole new set of characters. So it's gonna be interesting to see because that's that could be a good jumping in point because it's not has nothing to do with the characters we know or the time period that we know. It's opportunity to kind of embrace a different aspect of Star Wars that still can feel like Star Wars, but it's different. Well, I think you know. I, so a, a story that I've told you know time on this podcast before is that. One of my issues with the EU was just it wasn't an issue with the EU per se, but it was um, it was because it was in an environment that was not familiar to me. And so, you know, that that fear of unknown can make people shy away as much as it can as much as it can bring people in. Like, I'm excited for these new adventures for others. It's like whoa, this is like new planets and new things. And, it, you know, it, it makes you a little bit hesitant to to dive into that. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people had problems with uh, the sequel trilogy on both sides because The Force Awakens, I love The Force Awakens as well, you know, but it was the people that were saying it was too much of a rehash of A New Hope, which, um, ugh. but... Uh, I didn't have a problem with that. I thought it was great. I didn't either. It made sense why they did it. Um, but you know, I think that's why a lot of these these stories. It's like you can have the same characters, but suddenly it's like in an entire new environment. It can make people just kind of go, oh, "Okay, I'm not going to get into that." And, uh, yeah, it's. 
I, th I think that's one of those things that, uh, you know, whenever you're talking about media elements that, you know, it's a question of how what your taste is. We all know what brought you in. It was the Star Wars movies. So you're still looking for that. In some ways, you might get that out of the books or the comic books or the video games or everything. And in some ways, you may not. And that's, you know, how you know that. It's kind of, it's always difficult because you don't until you experience it. So, Michelle, you have a, a three and a five-year-old? I do. So are they into Star Wars? So I haven't, you know, tried to introduce them to it. Uh, I hope they come across it. I, I'm always scared that if I try to force them into things that I love, they'll reject it wholesale. Uh, so I, I have not made them watch it. The other thing that I know is that I have such a nostalgia for the original trilogy, but I know if you're not a Star Wars fan, if you've never seen it, when you watch it, you're, you're kind of scratching your head thinking, oh man, why was this so popular? But it goes to what you guys were talking about earlier in the podcast. And when you talked about all of the patents that uh, Lucasfilm holds is that when these movies first came out, this was stuff that people hadn't seen before. They were doing things that people hadn't seen before. They were telling stories that had been told, but they were doing it in a way that, that, that you know, nobody just had been able to achieve on film. And that's what made it so exciting for people. And you can't recreate for your kids the feeling you had in watching something that seems prehistoric to them in terms of what they get to watch on TV nowadays. So I've not, you know, tried to, to, to have them sit down and watch it. Plus, you know, my kids are into dumb stuff like Ryan and today it was Chico Bon Bon monkey with a tool belt. So when they go past that's, that's that the vodka level, right, that's the vodka right now, right? No, no, no. That there is a show on Netflix called Chico Bon Bon Monkey with a Tool Belt. It is about a monkey that has a tool belt and fixes things, um, and they are really excited about it. Um, so when they get past that stage, perhaps we'll have a family movie night. But right now, it, it you know it's all Ryan opening toys and Chico Bon Bon. What would you what would you start with um, when they get old enough? Do you think? You know, funny enough, probably Lego Star Wars. I would probably have them watch the Lego Star Wars uh, because they are you know CGI. They're they're pretty funny. They're um, they mix some of the storyline in without being overly serious, and 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 hopefully that would be fun for them. Plus, they really like Legos, so I would start with that. And then kind of hopefully move them into the actual story itself. But I don't want to force it because I just don't want them to say, oh, no, mom, I'm not going to watch what you want. I, I got to say, it, it, my two older kids are way into it. And it really just started to click for Harper within like the last six months or so. And she just really started liking it too. So we got. Uh... Our nieces and nephews, Brittany and I, every um, every time we're back at Nebraska for Christmas, we we take our nieces and nephews to the new Star Wars movie. That's kind of what's been going on since you know Rogue One, and um, and the sequel trilogy, and this last one. And you know, there's, some have been you know too young to go, um, and and there's some there's a couple of just well, actually, this last one when we we're going to go see Rise of Skywalker, we said. Emma, do you want do you want to go with us? And she said, "I would rather get punched in the face than go oh. watch a Star Wars movie." <laughs> oh my! And I was like, 
fair enough. No problem. Still love you. All right. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I, I understand that you don't. You know, that was that was my niece. You don't really probably want your your son saying, "Mom, I would rather be punched in the face than watch a Star Wars movie." <laughs> so, but I think that goes to the point I was making earlier. Just the idea of you kind of come and go with it. It's not necessarily something where you know very few people, maybe mostly us, stick with it all through. Most people kind of discover it, set it down, rediscover it, set it down again, you know, and every time you come back to it, you come back to it with a different perspective. And particularly, I imagine when you're trying to share with your children, it's a different dynamic. Right. Because you want them to love it like you love it. Yeah. I don't expect them to ever love it or appreciate it the way that I do, just because they'll, they're, they're, they're never going to be in a situation of, of, of what those special effects were like in that time, you know, the zeitgeist of what it was to have Star Wars come out in, you know, the early eighties and you know, late seventies, early eighties. And, and just for it to be such this, such a different thing, they're, they're just never going to be there. They, <laughs> they have access to the, the, what, what they watch on TV and in the movie theaters is so mind-blowingly different. So it would have to be a story thing. And so for me, it was all of those things. And in addition to the story that just made it this outstanding franchise to, to become a part of, I don't expect them to ever love it like that. I don't know what will be their Star Wars, God help me. Um, but I, I'm just, you know, really excited that they didn't like Twilight in that way. They were too young for it. <laughs> like the, the, and that's not their Star Wars. Thank God. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Don't sell short the experience either. And it just making an impression even today because Rise of Skywalker, I think, is all three of my kids favorite. Really? And yeah. And it's because they all three got to go in the theater and get just get immersed in it and um so they love it so uh all right so we've we've talked a lot about star wars um before we end we got we're, we're the who dat jedi podcast so we got to talk a little who dat stuff here and I, i've been thinking there are about three saints things we need to talk about here number one a usa today reporter said today we're going to win the super bowl I'll take that. It was they predicted us uh, against the Ravens and we win, so we got that going for us. <laughs> um, whether or not that Super Bowl is played in April or you know uh, February, who knows? <laughs> I don't care as long as we win it. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> um, the uh, the other one, what we got, we let Larry Warford go. Right. So I think we all kind of suspected that when they drafted Cesar Ruiz. You know, the expectation was that either he or Eric McCoy was going to slide over to that guard spot. And I didn't realize that I didn't realize that Warford was the slowest tackle in uh, or slowest guard in the NFL. And so. they owed him almost eight million dollars, so that makes it doubly hard. You know, doubly mm -hmm. hard to let him go. Well, they got they got to put away some money for Camara. He's got to get paid here sometime, but. Mm -hmm. uh, um, the, the third thing is uh, the, the Saints bitter pill that we're all going to be taking and that um, really it's um, a, a Pittsburgh Steeler thing with uh, Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison? James. James Harrison said uh, after he knocked out some uh, Brown player that Tomlin gave him an envelope of money. So, uh, yeah. 
Should we be surprised about that? No, because it happens everywhere in the NFL. <laughs> but remember, we're the only ones who ever got paid uh, punished for it because we did not make Roger Goodell happy. I, I get, I laugh at Saints outrage uh, at times because it's just a little too much. It's like, okay, you, you're really, you're really upset about this now. But if Tomlin escapes any sort of punishment here, and I think that he probably will, um, I get it. I I really, really well, get I it if State fans are pissed. As a as a former teacher, I can understand that student who, you know, gets sent to the principal's office all the time for talking, and then when the, you know, class president is talking in class and just gets told not to talk anymore, you know. If you're that kid that's always sent to the principal's office, yeah, you're going to be pissed. So it seems like we're, yeah, I don't know. But uh, I, I like I like kind of being that underdog. So, Well, like I said, it's, you know, this is coming from one of the marquee NFL franchises. We don't expect there to be any significant punishment at all because it's all second, you know, it's all verbal. Well, there's no reason for them to believe it or not believe it. So, I don't know. And um, the, the fact that do I expect uh, Roger Goodell's going to suspend Mike Tomlin for a whole year? Absolutely not. You know, they're not going to do that. But it's kind of juxtaposes the the big names versus the, the little guys. And we always know that the Saints, for as successful as they are, are not considered a big name in the NFL. Well, on that note. Dun, dun, dun. Oh. <laughs> Hopefully, and I, I, I don't know, I saw somewhere on Twitter, Fredo, you were mentioning, it's like, should we go back to the Greenbrier for... Oh, God, no. Yeah. God, no. no. Man, man, we, we no. started playing well once we stopped going to the Greenbrier, so... Thank if, you. If Sean Payton won, Sean Payton's already got what he wanted from the Greenbrier back down here in New Orleans, so <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to go back there anymore. Uh, but uh, on that note, we will uh, say... Um, Farewell for another week of the Hudak Jedi podcast. Um, we'll uh, see you next week. You can, in the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and you can get our podcast on Apple and Google Podcasts and Podbean. Um, and if you if you like it, share it with your friends. If you know some Star Wars nerds, you know the the more the merrier. Um, but uh, until then, we will all say Hudak. Hudak. And, uh, have a great week, everybody, and uh, we'll see you online. My